quick little insert here before we get started into this podcast. For some reason or another, I continuously call this child's name Ronald Doe, but it's actually Roland Doe. I even have it written down in my notes as Roland, so I'm not quite sure why I kept calling him Ronald, but I digress. So just understand that this is the exorcism of Roland Doe. Also, this is not the child's real name, so there's not really, it's not really that serious of a deal. But if you look it up on Google, it will say, um, if you look up any art or articles or anything like that, it'll say the exorcism of Roland Doe. Not Ronald. Excuse my brain. I don't know where it was. Maybe it's still back um, sick from my kidney infection. I'm not sure. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lovely Freaks podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And if you are new here, hi, welcome. How are you? If you like things strange and unusual, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Lovely Freaks and follow us on Facebook, Lovely Freaks podcast. And you can send us an email. We'll have our email down below. And do all that fun jazz. If you like this video, you can comment and subs- uh, comment and like the video. <laughs> I was going to say subscribe again, but whatever. Yes, yeah, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we actually have kind of like a story version for you guys, I guess you could say. Um, we're going to talk about the exorcism of a boy. This boy goes by a synopsis, so this is not his real name. A lot of the people in this um, story also, these are not their real names, like his family and, and people like that, simply because um, it's the case, this case is an exorcism, but it's also one that was kind of taken from and made into a movie, which is the famous movie, The Exorcist. So, and we'll kind of talk and explain how that all so happened. So, this is, this is the based on The Exorcist. It's, this is the one that's based on that. So, is it, like, loosely or, like, the full story? I'll explain, because there's some different, there's some different stuff. I'll explain. <laughs> okay. So, The Exorcism of the Boy, um, and his name is Ronald Doe. Now, remember, that's a synopsis, so that's not his actual name. That's a made-up name. Okay. This is one of the most documented cases of possession. And it also, like I said, is the inspiration for The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. There's a written record of this. One of the priests named Raymond Bishop kept a diary of this exorcism because he wanted... It, he thought that it would help other priests going through this, like, in the future and stuff like that. In the 1990s, around the mid-1990s, the writer Thomas Allen received a copy of this diary that the priest had kept Mm -hmm. decades after the movie The Exorcist, okay? So this is like a long time after the movie. And Allen was researching for his book Possessed. He looked... So he got the, the... what did I say? Diary. diary. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like a log, really. Diary log. You could call it either one. And so he somehow got the diary. It ended up in his possession. Um, up until that point, though, it had been locked away and kept secret. The Catholic Church had, like, locked it away and kept it a secret. And Alan did his own interviews and research, making sure that he matched everything in the diary or the log up to what the people were saying You know, he wanted to make sure everything matched. Um, There were almost 40 witnesses to this possession in the different stages that Ronald went through during that time. All the family in this also... 40? 40 witnesses, yeah. Wow. All the family in this, um, we're going to keep, you know, for their protection. They're all used as synopsis. But the the priest in this uh, story, they are the actual priest. So, that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started. And I'm going to kind of read this like a story, although it doesn't have to, um, 
like you can interject if you have a question or something like that. Don't yeah. think I'm just, <laughs> you know, I kind of wrote this out. I typed this out as like a story. It's going to be a bedtime story. That's right. But with <laughs> demons. Um, demons. Yeah. Happy sleep at night. <laughs> you know how we do it on Lovely Freaks. <laughs> Okay, so January 15th, 1949 was when the first episode took place in the family's home in Maryland. Ronald was 13 years old and was with his grandmother when they heard a loud dripping noise coming from somewhere inside the house. They checked every single faucet in in all the sinks and even in the showers of the house, but they couldn't figure out where the dripping noise was coming from. Eventually, they found the sound to be in the grandmother's room. They kind of narrowed it down to there. The dripping seemed to be coming from the attic area. So they were just thinking, okay, it's probably just a leaky pipe or something like that. However, later in the night, there was a different sound coming from the grandmother's room. This time, it was a scratching sound. And the sound was the sound, it sounded almost like it was underneath the bed, like it was underneath the floorboards. Hmm. This time they thought, well, maybe it's just a rodent or a mouse or something like that. The Ronald's father, Kevin, mm-hmm. said that he would call the exterminator the next morning. And he did. When the exterminator came out, he couldn't find anything at all. He couldn't find any rodents. He couldn't find any droppings. He couldn't even find any scratches underneath the floorboards. He even ripped up the floorboards and laid down traps and poison, but there wasn't any sign of a mouse or a rat infestation underneath where the floorboards were. But even after sitting out poison and traps, the scratches kept happening. And what is weird is it seemed to have some sort of schedule. It would start every night at 7 p.m. and then start faintly disappearing every night just before midnight. This would continue to happen for 11 days. Hmm. So right off the bat, you know, that's creepy. The schedule thing is weird. Yeah, you know, they thing. say that a lot of people, which this is weird, wake up at like 3 o'clock. You know how, have you ever woken up at like 3 a.m.? Yeah, so some people say that like if you wake up around 3 a.m., I think it has something to do with like ghosts or something like that, maybe? That's so weird because I wake up at like 3.55 every night. That's weird. Yeah, it's, I check it every time I wake up and it's like 3.55. That's your little ghost girl, man. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so on January 26th, the noises stopped happening in the grandmother's room, but they started happening in Ronald's room. This time, however, the sound was not scratching. The sound he described was that of like a squeaky shoe moving up and down the length of his bed. Kind of like on the top of his bed. They knew at this point that it could not be a rodent. Then Ronald's mom, Patty, decided to try and communicate with whatever was making this noise. Never a good idea, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Kevin, the father... His sister had suddenly recently passed away, and so it was Ronald's aunt, and Ronald was very close to his aunt. During her last trip to their house, before she passed away, she taught Ronald how to use a Ouija board. See, Aunt Helen was someone you would call a spiritualist, which means she would try and contact the dead by using seances, mediums, or even a Ouija board. Which we know nothing good comes from all of that. And sometimes dark things can manifest themselves from these practices. Spiritualists have a belief that the dead can see into the future and they can give the living advice. Hmm. In their belief, however, they believe that these spirits can not harm you and there is no fear in trying to contact them. Like, by going through a medium or some sort of thing like that. Mm-hmm. As long as you know what you're doing and you're good at what you're you're good at your practice. After Helen died though, Ronald spent hours in his room with a Ouija board, trying to contact mm-hmm. her because he was so upset that his aunt had passed away. He didn't get much of a response when he would use the board, but Ronald did know that his aunt told him spirits can communicate in different ways. So, I'm assuming he probably thought that 
maybe his aunt was trying to contact him by the scratches or yeah yeah so his aunt being a spiritualist she kind of knew what she was doing she wasn't just like yeah a willy-nilly or playing with it you know so she kind of knew what she was doing but i'm sure she probably told ronald you know don't do this by yourself or something like that and he probably didn't take that advice obviously February 2nd, that's mine and my husband's anniversary. Um, <laughs> February 2nd, as the squeaky shoes were marching up and down his bed again, the sixth night in a row, Patty, his mother, asked if, asked whatever was happening that was making the noise, if it was Helen. Patty, Ronald, and his grandmother were all laying in his bed, and Patty said, and I quote, If you are Helen, knock three times. A few moments passed, and they heard three knocks underneath the bed. She asked again. Same question, but this time she said knock four times. Then there was more knocks, four to be exact, under the bed. His mom, Patty, then felt like, okay, this has to be Helen. Like, for sure. Yeah. But then the scratching noises started happening again, and this time it was not underneath the bed. This time it sounded like it was inside the mattress. Hmm. They could actually feel something, kind of like worming its way around the coils in the mattress and moving the mattress hmm. underneath them. And then all of a sudden it began violently shaking. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. One, so. I thought that was pretty crazy. So, they were all in the bed when this started happening. Um, So, I I wanted to mention that because I wasn't sure if they were in the bed or not, but they were. It happened at the same time. That would be more like a demon than a... Yeah. Or some kind of... It wouldn't sound like a... I feel like that wouldn't be a ghost. Like, a ghost wouldn't do that. That's when I would start freaking out. Mm -hmm. So, keep in mind, they're still in the bedroom. Um, Once it stopped, according to Father Bishop's records... The corners of the mattress that were tucked underneath, so like the fitted sheet, Mm -hmm. it snapped out from underneath the mattress, and they started standing straight up in the air. Patty reached out to touch where the sheet had been sticking straight up. When she did, it fell right back down in its place where it had been before. However, they could still hear the scratching sounds coming from inside the mattress. The noise didn't stop till after midnight, but what? But it would come back every night. The scratching, I mean, the yeah, scratching the scratching sound inside the mattress so would come back every night. Would it come back like still at the same time, like at seven? seven yeah, o'clock? still on its regular scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs> um. So after this, Ronald started to experience very weird things. Bibles would fly off shelves when he was around them. His desk at school would actually slam back and forth violently in emotion and hit other kids' desks without him even doing anything. His parents, however, thought maybe Ronald was just, like, acting up because his aunt's death just bothered him so bad. He was acting out, but Ronald swore to them that he was not doing this. And even things flying at his head didn't explain him doing it because they were things across the room, you know? Mm -hmm. One day when his family was sitting with Ronald, they were all sitting in the living room. And he was in a heavy armed cloth chair. So kind of like those claw footed chairs that mom and dad have. Yeah. I lost my place. Okay. (laughs) Um, All of a sudden, the chair lifted a few inches off the ground and then kind of flipped over onto its side, knocking Ronald out of the chair and onto the ground. Mm. Kevin, his dad, and his uncles, and the other family members that were there, thought if he was lying, they were going to try themselves to see if they could flip the chair. They, one by one, sat in the chair and tried to pick it up, but it was way too heavy for them to lift and knock over themselves. Why the hell? How in the hell could he do that, knock himself out of a chair? They're like... Oh my god. Well, how did you do that? Like how Yeah, I mean they saw it people. levitate, but I guess since it didn't levitate but like 
a few inches off the ground. Maybe they thought he like had his feet down and like kind of picked, picked it, it up, up. and then. Oh, okay. But there, there was no way because they couldn't even lift the chair up. It was an yeah. old antique chair. Yeah, I'd have. So one if of those they chairs. couldn't, heavy. then he couldn't because he was thirteen. Yeah. Um. There was also at the time that they were doing this, they were all gathered around a chair, you know, trying to figure it out. At this time, there was also a vase that levitated off the table when, while everyone was trying to, you know, figure the chair out, and the vase flew across in the air and slammed up against the wall on the other side of the room. At this point, everyone realized that something was very wrong. Ronald, over the next few days, started to change, as well as become depressed and quiet. His demeanor just completely changed. He was not sleeping at all because the scratching noises and his bed shaking were keeping him up all night long. When he did sleep, he would talk in his sleep. However, the things that he was saying while he was sleeping were horrible and were not something that Ronald would say. Ronald's parents decided they needed to get him some help. So they decided to go to specialists. A pediatrician, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and even a minister. All the doctors, of course, said that Ronald was fine and he was healthy. The minister was a Lutheran minister, and his name was Miles Schultz. He prayed for Ronald and his family, but after he did this, things just got even worse, and nothing seemed to help. The minister decided um, to have Patty and Ronald, Patty the mother, stay over at his house one night, just so he could see if things were different. He wanted to see if Ronald was, like, telling the truth. He wanted to make sure he wasn't you know, Why? using his bed and using his environment to, to do these things and get attention. Stuff. Yeah. So, Thursday, February 17th, Minister Schultz and Ronald slept in the same room, but they were in separate twin beds. And then Ronald's mother, Patty, she was in the guest room. Sometime around midnight, Schultz, the minister, <clears throat> woke up because he could hear a rattling noise. He looked over and Ronald's bed was vibrating. Oh. Ronald was awake and Schultz told him to move to the chair in the corner. When he did, it stopped shaking. When he moved to the chair, though, the chair began to tilt on its side and then all of a sudden tossed Ronald onto the floor. Mm. The weird part about this is, is that Ronald's feet he was sitting in like a fetal position okay. so his feet were his feet were he up in the chair and he was like holding on, on to floor, his yeah. yeah so there was no way like schultz the minister saw it and he was like there's no way that he did that on his own yeah so schultz said ronald actually looked like he was almost sleepwalking he just had this blank stare on his face the whole time this was happening the minister even decided, okay, let me go see if I can try to flip the chair. And, of course, he couldn't. So, Schultz then told Ronald, okay, I'm going to give you some blankets and, you know, like a comforter, and you can lay on the floor. He gave him the blankets and wanted to see if it would still happen without him being in the bed or in a chair. Mm -hmm. Ronald fell asleep, but then at 3 a.m., his blankets and his self started to kind of slowly go across the floor. They both ended up underneath the twin bed. Nope. All of a sudden, Ronald's body began to bounce off the floor and hit the bed springs underneath the bed. He didn't even move. He didn't even flinch. His body was slamming the metal bed springs underneath the bed. Schultz freaked out, pulled him out from under the bed, and Ronald's face was completely bloody and scratched. Schultz said that he was still in a state-like trance and didn't even move, even though he had to be in pain. Keep in mind, this is a 13-year-old boy. That's gross. Schultz. What? That's gross. <laughs> oh. That's gross. Okay. That is Schultz like, told, I don't like that. Like, yeah. Them being, like, like something thrashing like about. thrashing yeah. about while you're asleep. Ugh, no thank you. Schultz told the mother, Patty that you need to see a Catholic priest 
about this because he had no clue what was going on, but he knew that it had to be some sort of possession. He needs some milk. He needs some Jesus. He needs some Jesus water. <laughs> it only get no, this whew, This only gets worse. He said so. he only did Ooh. It only gets worse. <laughs> yeah. It's intense. Okay. <clears throat> Late February, Ronald started having long, thick red claw marks appear all over his body. Some of these scratches also looked like letters of the alphabet. His parents finally had enough and decided it was time to talk to a Catholic priest, Father E. Albert Hughes. Father Hughes was a young priest. He was only 29 and he wasn't very known in the Catholic community yet. But he agreed to meet with the Ronald and his family and he would give his parents an assessment of what he thought was going on. Hughes said that the first time that he ever met Ronald, when he came into his office, and once he stepped through the door, the air in the room turned very cold, almost like a chill in the air. And there was an eerie, evil sense of a spirit that he couldn't quite put his finger on. The second time that he met him, he said that Ronald started speaking to him in a language that he for sure knew he didn't know. Ronald said in Latin, O priest of Christ, you know that I am the devil. Why do you keep bothering me? After this, Father Hughes then went to the local um, archdiocese. So, the archdiocese is... Do you know what that is? Mm -mm. Okay, so it's um, like specific... Like different Catholic cities. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll have an archdiocese in their in their town or in their city or whatever. And the Catholics have to go there to ask permission to, to do, do exorcism. exorcisms or something like that. Um, so, that's where I he met. that happened in the movie. I think so, yeah. It's been a hot minute since I've seen that movie. I don't particularly like watching it that much. Yeah, it's kind of boring. It, t it takes a while to get to the point. Yeah, and then when it finally gets there, it just it's makes good. me kind of feel bad. Like, yeah. I feel sick afterwards. Yeah. Um... Where am I? So he went to the to get permission. I'm looking. Archdiocese. Okay. Mm -hmm. To get permission to perform the extras. Yes. The Roman ritual is a book that contains a section in it with all the steps one has to take to perform an exorcism. It's kind of like a guideline for priests to follow. And every priest has one in case they ever need to use it. The book's advice... <clears throat> The book advises a priest to admit the possessed into a Catholic hospital. And that's what Father Hughes did with Ronald. Hmm. It was because it should be easier for the exorcism to be performed because there will be the care of orderlies, nuns, and priests to help. And kind of make up, kind of give like a more um, connection to God. Yeah. However, Hughes didn't read all of the guideline because then he would have read the part that said that you need someone that is older and more has had more years as a priest in order to perform this exorcism so exorcisms usually are performed by like the hierarchy of the catholic community someone that's been in longer someone that has more experience mm -hmm. and in this book that's what it told him to do but he didn't follow that part Hughes, as previously stated, was only in his late 20s and he didn't have enough experience in this era, in this, in this field. According to Arthur Allen in the book Possessed, people decided Father Hughes, described Father Hughes as a young priest with kind of an unconventional style and little use for the established order and how things should go. So he kind of, he didn't follow the Catholic rules, I guess, that everyone thought he should follow. Mm. Which, it's good to be different. But if you're dealing with an exorcism, yeah. bro, I'm gonna need you to be... Precise. Like Jesus, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> and especially if I was a mom, I would have been like, eh. Yeah, like, I wouldn't have But they weren't Catholic, him. so they didn't know. Oh. They weren't Catholic. I guess they were Lutheran because... They used... The, they went to the Lutheran minister yeah, I first. Bet I bet they're Catholic now. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and we'll get to that. So... March 6, 1949, Father Hughes goes through with his 
trying to perform the exorcism on Ronald, so he decides to do it. They get to the hospital. Ronald's arms and legs are strapped down to the hospital bed. The priest then kneels down by his bedside and began the ritual. While Hughes was saying his prayers in Latin, Ronald got one of his hands free, and while his hand was free, he grabbed the spring underneath and started uncoiling the spring in the bed. Mm-hmm. Not really sure how he did that, because you got to be pretty strong to do that. And then all of a sudden, he stabbed Father Hughes in his left arm. He gashed him from his shoulder down to his wrist, mm-hmm. sliding the spring down the priest's arm. The orderlies then jumped on the bed and the bed started thrashing about. Hughes go, got up and ran outside with his arm gushing blood. The priest had to have 11, no, the priest had to have 100 stitches, my bad. How can a 13 and it also it also cut so deep that it cut some of the nerves and Father Hughes was never able to fully regain his left arm. Like he was never able to fully regain the uh, use of his arm. Which is crazy. So since the exorcism failed, of course the priest didn't want to try again. And I don't blame him. I mean, his arm had just almost gotten, you know, I mean, probably almost brought to death. (laughs) Because he went down the street from, like, the top of the mountain all the way down. (laughs) He didn't go across. (laughs) Shoulder to wrist. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. That makes my arm hurt. Anywho. So, after this, the family had decided that they would try to get... Ronald, like, out of there. Like, maybe take him on a vacation or something. Maybe that would... Because they still didn't really believe that he was possessed or that it was something like that. Are you serious? Well, they're not Catholic, man. So, but I'm not Catholic, and I would. I'd be like, no, no, no. (laughs) Something's wrong. No, no. Um, so, the night... One night, they decided that they were going to... They were kind of talking about Mm -hmm. taking Ronald to St. Louis because they had some family there and they had been there before. The next day, there were bloody scratches all over Ronald again and it appeared that the scratches so it it appeared that like the some of the scratches were um said Louis? Louis? Yeah. um, Like St. Louis. Oh. And it was on his chest is where mm-hmm. these scratches were. Um, and so they were like, okay, well, I guess they're, the spirit wants us to go to St. Louis for some reason. Which I thought was really weird. Why like, would they also, are I they think, going? Yeah. I think Why that his mom, I, th- I honestly think that she, at this point she still thought that maybe it was a spirit that had possessed him. Maybe there was, you know how sometimes yeah. you think, but like, with been, your little ghost girl, like, you yeah. want to figure out what happened to her. Yeah. So, maybe if there's, like, a spirit that has possessed so. him. But still, if it was a demon, sh- they were like, here, you should go to St. Louis. I'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going there. So, anywho, they do. Mid-March, they decide to head to St. Louis on a train. Once they got there, things were no different. They were still having, well, Ronald was still having nightly bed shakes and the scratches would appear on Ronald every single day. After a few days of Ronald's cu- cousin seeing this, who she she was the one that lived in St. Louis, she decided to talk to her professor, who was also a priest, and she told him everything that Ronald had been experiencing. The professor that we're talking about was also the future author of that diary log that we mentioned in the beginning. His name was Raymond Bishop. So he's the one that kept this diary log. Bishop thought it might be that what was going to happen to Ronald might have been a demonic possession based on what the cousin was telling him. Like many who haven't seen him firsthand, what is going on with Ronald, Bishop wanted to make sure for himself. That night, after talking with her, he came to the house. He walked through the house and blessed it. He made it 
he made sure to sprinkle holy water on Ronald's bed and putting a small religious item on his pillow. Not sure what it was. I don't know if it was a cross or maybe it was just like a saint. It was probably a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, like necklace or something. Something not too obvious. Yeah. Excuse me. That he would be like, ooh, a cross. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Around 11 p.m., it was bedtime for Ronald. And not long after he goes to sleep, noises start coming from his bedroom. Scratching, banging, thumping, and even screaming this time. All the noises that his parents have actually heard before, but the family and the, uh, the bishop, bishop, Father Bishop, yeah. they never heard. Bishop and the other adults ran upstairs to find Ronald completely still in the middle of his bed while his head shaked around. Excuse me. Bishop sprinkled holy water on his bed and it made the motion stop for only a minute because it started shaking again. Ronald then screamed a blood-curdling scream and lifted his shirt up. And when he did, right in that moment, there were violent scratches appeared on his chest, right in front of their eyes. After this night, Raymond Bishop realized that he was out of his league. He brought the case to the attention of another priest at the university, William Boward. Bowdern. Bowdern? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Father William, he went to Ronald, and of course, he said the same thing that there was a this had to be a demonic possession so there are three stages of possession in the catholic community however the first stage is infestation which this is kind of like the poltergeist phase this is things moving around things knocking on walls scratching underneath Mm -hmm. floorboards or even being inside you yeah yeah even like in this case where the bookshelf where the bibles were flying off the bookshelves and vases were moving on their own so we know that Ronald they had that one mm-hmm. the second one is obsession and the third one is the actual possession the obsession stage is the stage that the priest thought that Ronald was in because of the scratches on his body so far the men did not see anything that they believed could actually be possessed. Like, the child wasn't speaking in tongues, and he wasn't, he didn't seem to have superhuman strength. Which doesn't make any sense to me, because... Because all the stuff that's been going on, like him lifting, and then that, he had to pull that. he he pulled the spring out from under the bed and stabbed the priest. stabbed the priest. Not even stabbed, drug it all the way across his arm, like no 13-year-old. I don't think I could even do that. Yeah. So I, I think I, don't, I didn't understand proof. that part. Yeah, but they, but whatever. What is he gonna be like a superhero? Like yeah. start flying through the air and he didn't speak things? in tongues either with the other priests. But well, he, he did. did speak in Latin, which he is the speak, dead language, yeah. and not many. I mean, it's not like he knew Latin. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. It's not like he can just look it up. Yeah, translate it. So especially back then. Okay, so but. They did see that possession didn't seem to be too far off, though. So, they thought to themselves, he's going to be fully possessed if we don't get to it quick enough. The archdiocese in their area, which was St. Louis, they agreed, but they had two conditions. First condition they had was they needed to keep it completely confidential, obviously, and that was what they were going to do. And the second condition was that Father Baldern, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Father William, <laughs> we'll say that, we'll call him William, um, he would be, he would have to be the exorcist that would, the exorcist that would perform this exorcism, like he was, he had to be the one. To which Father Baldern, Baldern I feel like I'm saying that wrong, but anyways, um, he refused to do it because he didn't want anything to, like he didn't want to go have to go toe to toe with a demonic possession fully grasp that and he also knew that it could change his life forever to see to pray to touch to even be in the presence near that much evil it could also kill the young boy and that would be on his hands as well and be on his conscience there are cases where demonic possession has actually killed someone 
They're very rare, but it has happened. But they needed a priest that had a lot of integrity in his life and was older and more experienced. And Father Bowdern was the priest for this job. And I understand why they're questioning about doing it because there's this story. I really want to talk about it, but it's like um, these priests uh, miss, like, what's the word? I'm like, they think he's, yeah, they think he's possessed, but he's not. He's just like, he's kind of like, uh, he has like, he's maybe like a schizophrenic or something Mm -hmm. or um, a psychopath, but they think it's a spirit Mm -hmm. or, or a demon. So they did a a thing on them. What is it called? Exorcism. Exorcism. Mm -hmm. And it was like hours and hours and it made him think he was like possessed and he started like killing people. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never heard that. It's pretty wild. Mm. We'll have to talk about it. I'll have to talk about it. Okay. So here's where we began with the exorcism. This goes on for far too long. Yeah. I hear that they took hours. I mean, this is like... No, no, no. This is like a, a month. A month? Like, this Damn. goes on for a month. Um, but it's what? crazy. Yeah. Oh, oh, so, oh, we'll get there. Okay. So, on Wednesday, March 16th, Father Bowdern gets, is decided he's going to do the exorcism. He starts to get ready. Because the church would either have him or no one at all. Father William prayed and made his confessions and then went to the house where Ronald was staying. After 10 p.m., Ronald laid in his bed and Bowdoin began to pray over him. He called on God, Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and even the archangels and many more saints to help him do this. He knew that he would need all the powers that he could have that night if he was going to go face to face with this demon. As he did, Ronald's mattress began to shake. Then it went on for two hours of constant prayer and bed shaking. Finally, Bowdern... I'm just going to have to say Bowdern because that's what he's known by. Now, if I'm saying it wrong, oh well. Um, <laughs> he invoked the most powerful prayer of the exorcism rite. Mm-hmm. Like the exorcism ritual. Yeah. The one that talks directly to the demon... He shouted, I command thee, unclean spirit, to leave this child alone. Ronald, at this point, screamed and then thrashed in pain once again. He lifted up his shirt and appearing right before the priest's eyes without Ronald scratching himself. Mm -hmm. There were three scratches that appeared across his stomach. Eventually, even... Every time that he would say God or Lord, new scratches would appear. Some became so deep that they, like, they were somewhere, like, deeper than others. Mm. So, like, he was bleeding. Bleeding, yeah. Mm -hmm. His whole body was soon covered in welts and scratches, and Ronald was in immense pain. Bowdard commanded the demon to tell him his name. Then, in the word... Then the word hell appeared on Ronald's chest, like written out and it said hell. Mm -hmm. He said again, tell me your name or leave this child alone. The word go appeared then on his stomach. Then on his leg appeared an X, which in Roman numerals is 10. Mm -hmm. So what could this mean? The priests were thinking, okay, does that mean we have 10 days of this, 10 hours of this? 10 months, Boward was thinking, there's no way I can continue to do this for that long, especially the 10 days. Especially the 10 months. Adults were having to hold Ronald down while Father Bishop and Boward kept saying their prayers. Ronald began to spit in their faces and hit everyone and punch them around him. At this time, it was becoming clear that Ronald was moving towards possession. Duh. And (laughs) the third stage, and maybe he had already been there this whole time. This possession went on for four hours. And around 5 a.m., Bowdard said, and he said that he hoped that the final prayer would stop it. He shouted, I cast you out. 
For a moment after this, Ronald was still and everything was calm. Then, all of a sudden, he sat straight up, his eyes were shut, and his body was stiff. And Ronald began to sing a song. He began to sing way down upon the Swanee River, far, far away. Don't know that song. But yeah, I'm sure song, he didn't know that song either. Yeah. With his eyes shut, st- sitting straight up. As he was yes. singing louder and louder and louder, he started getting faster and faster and uh, faster until mm. it was unclear what he was even saying. They realized at this time that this was the final stage for sure. He was speaking in tongues and he had no idea what he was saying. There was a demon speaking through this little boy. Finally, at 7 a.m., Ronald just all of a sudden fell asleep and everything stopped. He stayed asleep after that. Nope. That was mm, unpleasant. This, My body turned well, inside out. You better just hold, buckle up, buttercup. Buttercup. This was one it's of the subtle things for me, just the creepy things that doesn't make sense. This right. was only the first night, and Father Boward didn't know if he was going to be able to do this anymore. It took a lot out of him. And he could tell that it was taking a lot out of Ronald. On Thursday, they returned to the house for round two. Almost immediately, Ronald fell asleep into a deep sleep. And the whole time, everything that he did before, they just did the same routine over the second time. Mm -hmm. They would battle this demon every night, well until early mornings. Ronald was spitting in their face, cursing at the priest. He was even sitting up and pretending to masturbate, which mm-hmm. is in that movie, you know. Yeah. He would urinate all over himself and use the bathroom anyway all over himself. Ronald would sing during these sessions and would sing songs that his parents know he never had heard before. Ronald would then even grin and laugh, and the priest would say that it wasn't him. It was this demonic-looking grin on his face that didn't look like Ronald. They reached the ninth night, and it was a holy night, the Feast of St. Gabriel, which made the priest think that maybe this was going to be different. So, nine nights... I couldn't have done it. Me neither. Bowdern decided to hold the night session in his quarters. So he decided to move somewhere different. Mm -hmm. This night, however, was one of the worst nights. The demon taunted every single man in the room that was there to help and even the priests that were there. He told one man that he would see him in hell in 1957. Around 2.30 a.m., the demon spoke directly to Bowdard, and he said, and I quote, You like it. You'd like to stay with me. Well, I like it too. Then, once again, Ronald fell into a deep sleep after this, after this night. We, They finally made it to the tenth day, and the men were thinking, okay, the X on his leg represented ten days, so maybe this is it. Maybe the demon will leave. This night, Ronald's bed was just shaking a little bit. And it would shake for a little while, almost like the demon was wearing down. Or that there was no, there was nothing nasty happening. So he wasn't spitting on anybody. He wasn't, you know, speaking in tongues or nothing like that. So the next morning, Bowdard sent Ronald home. They wanted to see if it was clear or see if anything was going to happen. So they kind of wanted to, like, you know, test the theory, test yeah. it out. Be like, oh, you're fine, but he, he, they know he's not really fine. Well, yeah, they wanted to see if maybe it worked. Like, maybe the demon was Left. gone. And or that was another thing. Him. Like, I'm sorry, but if this... We'll get into that. I'm not going to go... Hold on. We'll get in there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm skipping ahead of myself. Nothing happened. Okay, so after he went home, nothing happened for four nights. And then on Thursday night, around 11.30 p.m., Ronald told his mother, said, I quote, I feel really sick. And he was begging her and everyone to come up to his room. 
and he wanted to go to bed. His aunt, uncles, mom, and dad, and even cousins followed him up to his room. They thought maybe he just wants us to all tell him goodnight. As soon as Ronald got into the bed, he snapped his eyes shut. He started moving his fingers across the bed sheets in a weird pattern, almost like he was writing something. Then he said out loud, I will stay ten days, but will return on the fourth day. If you stay and become a Catholic, it will stay away. You may not believe me, then Ronald will suffer forever. Which it seemed to match the timeline. Let me explain. It took ten days for the demon to supposedly leave him, and then four days, which is now, this demon seems to be back. Mm -hmm. It also made Father Boward believe that, okay, I'm going to baptize Ronald. Then maybe the Catholic in the Catholic Church, and then maybe the exor- do the exorcism, and the demon will be casted out. Mm-hmm. But this demon had other plans. On the way to the baptism that night, that they decided to do it, the demon emerged from the back seat through Ronald, screaming, "So you're going to baptize me? You will drive me out with a holy communion?" All of a sudden, Ronald lunged into the front seat and grabbed the steering wheel and pulled the steering wheel to try to flip the car. His uncle was able to keep it from hitting a post, a lamppost, and crash crash the car. But while the uncle and his uh, dad, Kevin, were in the front seat after this crash, Ronald was in the back seat strangling his mother. It took his uncle and his father to pull him off of his mom, and they held Ronald down until they made it to the baptism. When they finally got there, they started the baptism, and it took four tries to get him baptized. Then they had to give him the communion. Well, obviously, Ronald was throwing the communion up, or he would just spit it out. It took them over two hours to get him to swallow it. But as soon as he did, they saw a little bit of a change. Ronald was calm. So they just started they just, they started to perform the exorcism again. Bounard asked again, "What day will you leave?" Then the Roman numeral 18 showed up. 18. So they were thinking, "Okay, maybe April 18th, which was 16 days from then." And no one thought Ronald would last that long. Mm -hmm. The priest didn't even think they were going to be able to, like, you know, last that long. I mean, the kid's already been through a lot. He probably has, if he gets through this, he probably has a lot of damage as an adult. He probably has, like, because during the whole time that this was going on, especially this last bit, the entire he would. This last bit, he would be possessed and he would be doing those things. And all of a sudden, he would, like, snap out of it for, like, I don't know, five minutes. And he would hold the cross and he would pray. Mm-hmm. And then it would come back, like, during the possession, like, during yeah. the exorcism. So, yeah, he knew what was going on. So, yeah, I mean, messed up ain't even the word for it. He probably has candles everywhere. Praying no every idea. minute of the day. So, for the next two weeks... Things were pretty bad with Ronald. The priest and his family didn't think they could go on any more days. According to the reports, as the lesions and scratches he were receiving, he would get during the exorcism. The next morning, they would be gone. Almost like a blank canvas that the demon was starting all over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all those scratches, the next morning, they'd be gone from his body. And this was reported, all this that I'm talking about was reported in a diary that these priests were keeping. Mm-hmm. Closer to the date of April 18th, they thought that the demon would leave Ronald's body. Because Ronald started to change. He looked different. One witness said that his stomach was swollen and distended, and he didn't even look like the same person. He didn't even look like a child anymore. Finally, after many, many nights, they reached April 18th. Baldurn decided to change things up a bit. He would say his prayers in English this time instead of Latin. 
and he also decided maybe to do it in a calmer manner instead of shouting at the demon. During this time, Ronald's body began to twist and arch. At one point, it arched so much that his feet touched his shoulders. Oh. Around 10.45 p.m., Bounard finished a prayer. And before he started, the next, it got really quiet in the room. Suddenly, a new voice emerged through, on, through Ronald. I almost said Arnold. <laughs> one that was loud, rich, and very deep. And it said, Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael, and I command you, Satan, to leave the body in the name of Dominus. Don't know who that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Immediately. Now, now, now. Ronald's body thrashed for several more minutes after this. Then all of a sudden it stopped. And then Ronald, with his own voice, said, He is gone. All the priest could feel in the room was like a release of evil. And it was over. After weeks, they were not sure if it was really truly over. It seemed to be, and the family decided to return home to Maryland. Father Bauer didn't keep did keep his promise to keep it a secret. He sent Father Bishop's daily log to the church and in case anyone needed to use it as an instruction manual, like I said. Yeah. However, the Lutheran minister, Miles Schultz, did not keep it a secret. He did not keep it discreet at all. As a matter of fact, he did a lecture on the matter. It also was written in a local newspaper. And that's when the Arthur William Peter Blody? Blody, I think. Blody? The guy that wrote The Exorcist. Yeah. The book The Exorcist. He got a hold of it. The, the Catholic Church at this point, when it was getting all the publicity, they had to make a claim. They had to, like, say what was going on. They said that they investigated it, and they found that there was no reason why this was possession. But, obviously it was. I think yeah. it was. Also, the Arthur And of, why would all those people make up all that stuff? And the Arthur of the book Possessed, that we mentioned before, mm-hmm. who got all, you know, was going through the diaries and talking to witnesses, he had over three dozen eyewitnesses in this book. Wow. That said, yes, like, all these accounts are true, yes, this happened, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. That is the possession of Ronald Dow. So now we can talk about theories. <laughs> so my thing is, I don't think it was fake. And the only reason, the only reason I don't think it was faked is because you mean to tell me that that 13-year-old boy would do all that to himself and go through all that for two months? Yeah. And it's, just every night? It might have been every two night. weeks. To get attention. And yeah. be like, ah, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Not all that and make himself look like that. That would be a, a absurd. And how did he make the scratches just appear on his chest? And even if he was... Because I know people think that possession is just schizophrenia or something like that. But even if he was schizophrenic or something like that, like, I don't... Yeah, how could he... Still, he couldn't make the scratches just appear. Yeah, because according to the eyewitnesses, pick up all that stuff that was according so heavy. to all the eyewitnesses that were there said that he would literally just lift up his shirt or like you know like try to like lift his shirt off of his body in like a fit of like screaming or something, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the scratches. Almost like, you know, Freddy Krueger, the movie, yeah. where you see, like, the scratches appear on the guy. Yeah. And you don't know, like, where they came, where from. They came yeah. from. That's what it looked like. And also, like, two grown men trying to get him off after he's trying to choke his mom. Like, two grown men had, a, had trouble snatching yeah. him off. Yeah. Like, I mean... Isaac is like 12. We could get... I, I could just yank him off. Mm-hmm. You know? So I don't know where this child is today because we don't know his real name. Um, But I do know... I mean, obviously he's Catholic. 
And I yeah. say that because he got baptized and, you know, I'm sure his mom and dad and all of them probably turned to Catholicism. Oh, yeah. Which is I weird would've. because I don't know of many people that aren't Catholic that get possessed. I haven't heard many stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's not a whole lot of stories like that. There's a lot of stories where they are. Yeah. And also, can we talk about how the movie was nothing like this? I wish the movie was like this. No, it wasn't. It wasn't anything like this. The movie... I mean, they used uh, the part about the masturbation and the spitting and cursing and all that, but, I mean... It was so slow. Oh, my God. It was so slow. Well, they did send her to psychiatrist and all that. but still, it was like... They would just have these conversations that you're like, okay, nobody cares. Why are you having these conversations? You know there were some things that happened in that movie that, like, I can't remember what it was. Like, but in real life? Yeah. Like, like, the actors and stuff, something happened yeah, to them? Yeah, something I've happened. Heard, I've heard about that. Mm-hmm. Like, the little girl had experience or something? Mm-hmm. I heard about that. Yeah. It was crazy. But yeah, Father uh, Bowdern and Father Bishop, though, they still, like... I don't know if they're still alive, but they would say, you know, this is true. Like, this is real. Like, I didn't... Especially Father Bishop, because he was the one that wrote the law. Like, he's the one that, you know, put the diary log together. So, I'd be really upset. I'd be like, are you serious? I just think that maybe the the church wanted to kind of keep it silent, because it wasn't supposed to get out. Yeah. And leave it to that minister. Which, he only had a small portion like, all he saw was, all he saw was the boy thrashing around in the bed, and then him being under the bed, because he doesn't know that the boy crawled under there by himself, yeah. and then started banging himself up, himself up against the, the springs. Like, how could you do that? How could you do that to yourself? I mean, you would really be wanting some attention if you were going to yeah. do that, though. Especially a 13-year-old. Yeah, because you're freaking... He, he like... I mean, he didn't bash his face in, but... I mean, he had his, scratches yeah. all over his face. He was bleeding. So, yeah. I just think it's ridiculous. But, yeah, apparently, during the exorcism, he would, like, snap out of it for a minute and like hold the cross and pray and then he would like it would take him over again Mm. and while this stuff was going on apparently they said that um in the diary log it says that he was his eyes were closed the whole time like when he was possessed and when the demon was out talking through him Mm -hmm. he was like his he was like not there and if his eyes were open it was just like a blank stare into space but yeah, so that is the exorcism of Ronald Doe, which was loosely inspired by the exorcism the movie. Yeah, the exorcist, not the exorcism. Exorcism. <laughs> the exorcism. Did you hear? Uh, so, so I was watching the documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer and the the exorcist, the third one. Mm-hmm. He said that he like loved that movie and it, it inspired him or something. Oh. And I was like, oh, and I watched that movie, and I was just like, oh. It makes me feel weird. The third it. one. The third. Have you ever watched the third one? That one's recent, isn't it? No. The third one is like more like there's a serial killer kind of vibe. Oh. And it's like serial killer and exorcist. It's kind of weird, but like there's like some stuff in it that's like oh god. It sounds like Jeffrey Dahmer's Alley. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time I was thinking, oh Jeffrey Dahmer watches and thought it was really cool. Mm. <laughs> Yay. That's what we're going to do next, you guys. So, Friday, we're doing old Jeffrey. Jeffrey Dahmer. Old Jeffrey. I know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer, so I think I can. I know a lot about him, but yeah. I'm still going to have to, we're still going to have to research so that way we can get dates. Because I'm one of those people, man. I want dates. I want accurate dates. Also, I saw this thing where there's more white in a serial killer's eyes. Like, you, do you see my pupil? Mm-hmm. There's, like, the pupil is smaller, and there's more white in the eyes. Like, I saw some pictures, and, like, the Night Stalker, Jeffrey Dahmer, like, um... Like You're talking, like, the pupil killers. or the yeah. green part? No, like, the white. You know, what is it called? The white. Well, you got a lot of white in your eye. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> not like that. 
Like, look at my eye. You see how it's covering the bottom? <laughs> look at my eyes. No, like, look at my pupil. You see yeah. how it's covering the bottom? Well, when I looked at their eyes, it's, it's not covering, not the, covering bottom. the bottom. There's a huh. white. Like, they're, that is smaller. That, that whole, whatever it's called. I'm not an eye doctor. <laughs> that black thingy. The colored thingy. <laughs> That's, like, smaller. And there's more white. And I thought that was creepy. Huh. That is creepy. Okay. Weird. Let me right, we're, that. We're soft <laughs> rambling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, anywho, if you guys enjoyed this story, please leave us a comment and give us a thumbs up. And I promise we're going to get on Spotify and iTunes. Like I said, I'm, you know, last week I had to deal with the whole kidney infection thing. Yeah. So, and I got me, I got me a new car yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good looking. Yeah. Got me a new car, so I finally your old car was awful. Did that all weekend. Um so anyways, yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And go like our Instagram page. Please go like our Instagram page and then y'all got to send us some stories. Like yeah. I, I keep saying that. I want to do a listener story. So send us some stories. All right. Well, we hope that you guys have a great night, and we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.